Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! He did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the weekend college basketball betting preview. I'm Stucky and joining me as always. BJ Cunningham and Mike Calabrese. Gentlemen, what's going on? Uh, BJ, I'll start with you. How are things? Things are good. You know, we're we're getting into the thick of things. Now we have, what, 165 college basketball games this weekend, so it's going to be complete chaos. Yeah, nothing better than these uh, Friday nights getting ready for the enormous Saturday college basketball card and then trying to whittle down uh, your card from – a million to a hundred thousand bets. Uh, Mike, what's going on, brother? I'm having a pretty good week, but you know how this goes in terms of winning games by the hook or winning, you know, by one when foul shooting goes your way down the stretch. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop a little bit. I hit Longwood last night and they end up erasing a, a pretty big first half deficit and make a foul shot at the ends, play enough defense to cover by the hook. But I don't know. I'd like some some sweat-free wins, hopefully, this weekend that we can hand out to the audience. Um, Creighton did their work on Tuesday, um, w- which was great to see in terms of how they handled Butler. Um, but just in general, I think it's still so unpredictable with so many top 25 teams losing this week. We'll get into it a little bit. But it, at this point, the my big headline is, who can you trust on the road? At this point, that's a pretty short list. Yeah, uh, I guess let's break right into that. Um... But but let's start. But first, just to give a an idea of what this is going to look like. Obviously, this is the first late week episode of this season. So if you're not familiar, we'll do a little you know recap of what we learned from the week. One takeaway. If you have a rant, we'll get to that, and we'll talk a little Friday night hoops and give out a play or two there, and then we will get into uh, some futures talk and also. And what we're going to do with the futures, we're going to build a futures portfolio over the next six weeks, um, five or six weeks, we'll have five or six teams try to hit at least one every week. Everyone will bring one to the table, make a case for it, and then we will vote. And, uh, you know, you get you don't have to have all five or six if you're listening. You can pick and choose. So it's a, just a good way to offer up some cases for futures. We'll get into Saturday, go around the horn, you know, three or four picks each. And then later in the show, I'm actually going to talk with BJ Rains. Uh, who does a phenomenal job covering Boise State. We'll talk a little Mountain West. Uh, I'll uh, interview him a little later in the day. So jam-packed show. If you have any ideas for guests, feel free to always reach out, If for, especially if they specialize in a certain conference. But let's get right into just one key takeaway from the week. I'm going to go I'm gonna go with last night's UConn loss. They blow a 17-point lead. And if you were to ask somebody, uh, what, like a month ago, who's gone to the Final Four? I, I, I don't know, maybe people that follow college basketball closely, a lot of answers would be Arizona and UConn, right? Those two teams with their bigs, they look like shoe-ins to make a run in March. And since they've fallen off 
kind of some of the same problems. Their guards aren't, you know, their, their shots aren't falling. UConn's bench has fallen off a little bit. They have some issues on defense as well. Everything was going really well for them early on. Now, not so much. I think they were playing over their heads. But I think it illustrates more of a point of the entire landscape of college basketball this year, and that is just be in the mix. Like, Connecticut will be in the mix with their size, and they're going to have to make some shots. They're still young, but there is no dominant team. We're going to There's going to be ebbs and flows of this, and it's going to lead into our futures talk later. Like, you want to try and time it up right when you're getting in on some of these teams for futures. But, you know, maybe Samson Johnson come back for Connecticut can help, but – yeah, Sonogo on defense has been a little disappointed. They got to get their rotations right. And then, you know, everything, Calcutta was hitting like 60% from three early in the year. Everything was going right. They weren't that good. I don't think they're this bad. But I think it just speaks to college basketball in general this year. Be in the mix. There's 20 teams that could win this thing. Uh, Mike, let me go to you. Yeah, I agree. And there's also so many top teams that could lose in the first weekend. Just looking at this week, Kansas, Texas, Clemson, Xavier, TCU, you touched on UConn, Arkansas also losing. Most of those losses coming at home, or pardon me, on the road. And, and that's really what it boils down to. Can any of these teams be consistent if their strength isn't happening that night, whether it's perimeter shooting or Z- Xavier at the Paul? Xavier goes down to the Paul. Yeah. So that that's the kind of thing where I, I think it cuts both ways in terms of the overreaction to a loss like that. Xavier cracks the top 10, they lose. Are they fraudulent or is it just that DePaul finally got healthy at the right time and maybe they're a team to consider as a dark horse in the Big East tournament? I think at this point, kind of what you're preaching a little bit in terms of having patience and looking at a team's you know best and worst performance and realizing that it's somewhere in the middle is probably the right patience to have at this point in the season. Although I, there are some teams that I feel like at this point, they got to show me something. And that's why this TCU-Kansas game is so critical, in my opinion, over the weekend. Even if TCU isn't able to win the game, I just want to make sure that they don't get thrown to the mat and have you know, a three- or four-game losing streak come out of that loss to West Virginia because we all knew that West Virginia was better than their record indicated they were winless in the Big 12. But I, I, I want to see how these teams react after you know dropping a game on the road. Yeah, good good thing to keep in mind is like the 25-5 rule. Like there's teams that are going to have like five games that are way over their head, five games that they're they just it's a bad day. And then 20 games are you're like who they actually are. And you don't want to overreact. And sometimes you want to take advantage of the market uh if the market does indeed overreact or underreact in certain circumstances. Um it's also worth noting you always want to keep track of like who's in and who's out. Like you mentioned DePaul getting healthy, that's important. There's also uh, this couple couple more COVID cases are creeping up, like people are out for COVID and sickness and illness and injuries. So that's something to also keep in mind. BJ, let me throw it to you. Key takeaway from the week. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of echoing on what you guys have both already said. It's that it seems like there are very few teams in this country that you can trust both at home and on the road. And it's, you know, to echo your point from Monday, Michael, it's it's a lot of teams just are doing a lot of good stuff at home and then they just keep losing on the road. Like you already mentioned, Kansas uh, losing to Kansas state, Missouri beating Arkansas, West Virginia being TCU and UConn that's four straight road losses for them. So like you said, stuck, they were the third team in the country. And a lot of people, I remember being on uh green dot daily talking with Kai McEwen from a three man weave. And he was telling me, he's like, yeah, I think UConn's the best team in the country. And then they go on and they lose to Providence and drop three straight road games. So now, once we get to March, they kind of got to keep that in mind is when you're picking out your futures portfolio. And this will be a nice segue into the, you know, the futures talk is that there are currently eight teams from 10 to one to 20 to one, you know, Houston sitting at six to one, they're not going to be tested during the, the American uh, conference. So there's probably not gonna be value on them as we get uh, through the regular season here, but maybe they drop a few games. Maybe there becomes some value on them, but Kansas, Alabama, Purdue, UCLA, Arizona, Tennessee, Gonzaga, Connecticut. Out of that bunch, which one of those teams do you guys actually trust the most to get through this regular season and potentially have their price be shorter by the time we get March? Honestly, because that's what we're talking about here with futures. Uh, I'll, I'll answer first. I think that from a price perspective, if I were to, and we'll talk about this later, it might not be my answer, but from the that group, the team that I trust the most to win it all, and at the, they might be at the peak of their value is what I mean, is Alabama. Right. If you look at what they've done this year, you know, they 
I think I, I think I talked about this earlier in the week with that road win at Houston. You know, the road win at Arkansas. They took they kept it was a desperate Arkansas team. They kept taking their punches. Another double digit road win at Vandy. Double digit road win at Mississippi State. The road win at Houston is huge, and these are road conference games, and they're just taking care of business and in, in you know on the road in conference. So yeah, I think with the amount of talent that they have, the amount of ways that they can score. The veteran presence of Mark Sears, I think, is huge. Knowing when to take the big shot. Um, yeah, there, there's so much talent on this team. They can beat you in so many ways. And we talked about these teams not having marquee wins on the road. Alabama has one of the best, and they keep getting it done on conference in the road. Uh, what do you think, Mike? Yeah, I, I kind of want to go a little bit deeper on Alabama because it's something that you talked about last episode when kind of singing their praises and what they did against Houston. For those of you that watched the entire game, it wasn't an Alabama game where they hit 15 threes and they legitimately would have beaten any team in the country. They're down at halftime. They were struggling at points in that game, and they gutted it out against a really good defense on, on the road. To me, that arguably is the most impressive win of the entire season. So it's not just – With that Brandon Miller, their star freshman doing nothing in the game. Right, exactly. So it, it's your 25-5 and 5 rule. It wasn't even that five game where it's like, okay, they shot out of their minds or they got you know the benefit of some whistles or something really weird happened in the game. They were just able to, to gut out a win. And you have to have at least one, probably two of those – on a trip to the national championship in March anyway. So yeah. in terms of being able to prove it, I, I I'm with you there. I think that's the correct answer. Although I'll get into it a little bit later. Arizona's inching closer to my buyback moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the fact that they lost to Oregon, I, I'll touch on this as well. Oregon had a personnel upgrade in terms of Kuznard coming in. And I think that's something that's really underrated. And the fact that he was able to, to go off from a scoring perspective in that game, kind of dressed up a Oregon team that on paper is kind of mediocre. I think they're going to be absolutely in the hunt and potentially could win the Pac-12 tournament. So Arizona, to me, can get it together. I think they do this weekend with the doubleheader at home against USC and then UCLA. I think that that's going to be their springboard to get their mojo back a little bit, and they play so well at McHale. Um, but it's not quite there for me. I think you you listed off at 14 to 1. If it gets into that 17, 18 to 1 area, then I think it's the opportunity to grab the Wildcats. Well, I guess before we get to Friday, this natural segue into the future segment. So let's just knock that out now. So everyone is going to bring one future. Let's pull up, you know, you could talk widely, you know, lines that are in the range you know because some and this is an important point you want to shop around in college basketball futures you can find you know log into if you have three different books log into three they're probably not going to be the same why give up that free equity um which is why it's important to have as many outs as possible of course starting with that mgm our sponsor bj i'll let you start which future are you bringing to the table for this week I am going to bring to the table Connecticut at 20 to one. I know we just talked about them losing four straight road games, but I'm thinking this is about the point at the largest number that we're going to see on Connecticut going forward. Uh, you know, this is an unbelievable team. Wait, before you keep going, I think this is a horrendous take because this is the case that I prepared. So, uh, Oh really? Anyway, okay. Well, going. I'll pivot then. Going. You know what? No, I'll, no, no. I'll keep going. I have, I have, another, I have a backup. I have a backup. Monday. Cause I'll just say Creighton's still sitting there at 50 to one. Like there is tremendous value on Creighton right now. They obviously just beat Butler pretty badly. A team that has the number one strength of schedule. DJ, you're going, you're going UConn. You got it. We have to stick right, to the cool. order. Cause I'm going to start some weeks. So you brought okay. UConn. Right. You can't, UConn mess, can't mess with the order. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is about the point to buy in, right? Because we had the peak of the market when they were the third team in the country. I'm guessing I don't have it in front of me. I'm guessing they were probably around 10 to one, nine to one. To win the title, they have four straight road losses. And the Big East is a team that's probably going to be, you know, at very worst, uh, a four seed come come March. Unbelievable team at defending the three-point area. Uh, they have a couple really, really nice non-conference wins, including one over Alabama, a team we just raved about. So uh, absolutely uh, probably the time to buy in here on UConn uh, going forward. So UConn 20-1 to 1 for me is my future I'm bringing to the table. Okay, um, Mike, throw it to you. All right, I'm going to try to throw in a deep shot because for the most part, I'm shopping in more that 15 to 50 to 1 range throughout the season. Just mentioned him. Oregon, 150. I've seen out in the market, 175 to 1. 
We know about the coaching staff, what they can bring to the table. But to me, at this point, anyone over 100 to 1, is there a personnel difference, whether it's a player you know, getting hurt, coming back from injury, transfer portal, eligibility, whatever it is. Jermaine Cousinard is the guy that is a missing piece for them on the perimeter. Because when you balance him with Infali Dante, the Molly monster, who's been absolutely insane since January rolled around. His last four games, he's averaging 16 points, nine boards, three stocks per game. He's taken his game to the next level. But getting another perimeter threat to pair with Richardson, I think it gives them an opportunity to take that Arizona win and build on it, have a top four finish in the regular season in the Pac-12. I understand that they've been uneven at times already here in January, but their ceiling to me is being right on the cusp of being a, a top three team in the Pac-12 and 150 to one value-wise is right there for me. Also a team that has put it together in the past, later in the season and made deep runs in March Madness. So I've seen the evidence from the coaching staff. So I'm going to go ahead with the Ducks if you can get it at a real good number. All right, for my future that I'm bringing to the table, it's going to be UConn. So I like the case there. And Oregon, um, look, always going to be an interesting tournament team. They get into the dance with the way that they play. Dana Altman could switch up defenses, you know, zone, demand, oppress. Very tough team to prepare for uh, on a quick turnaround, especially if you're not familiar with them. And yeah, that's that is something to also keep in mind. If someone is getting a key player back to look for in the futures market, I'm gonna make a case for TCU at some point, but the, we're gonna talk about this game later. They're gonna be underdogs against Kansas, and maybe we can pick them back up. You know, they've come really far down in the futures market. Um, so even though they just lost at West Virginia in a tough spot. I think that they're yeah you know, they're not going to go up way higher, and we might be able to pick them off later. So I'm going to go with uh, a team that made me look dumb on Wednesday because I talked about adding their future. So I'm going to talk about Ohio State. You can find still find 80 to one out there. They just lost to Nebraska by possession after they lost to Rutgers by four in overtime. After they lost to Minnesota by possession, lost to Purdue by two. Like, this is a team that's lost five in a row. I think all by one possession and I still believe in them. I mean, this is a team that's, I think top 10 adjusted offensive efficiency. They're very well coached. They're not three point reliant. They're great on the offensive glass. I think sense of ball can be that guy uh, as we progress into March to be that guy who can take over. Um, I think that they've just been getting really unlucky. And I do believe that they're one of the 20 best teams in the country so I think that when all is said and done, they're going to be in the mix. I think they're still like, are they top 20 in Kempom? Like they're 21st in Kempom. Um, I think that this is, if you're going to add Ohio State, do it now, um, looking at their schedule. And yeah, I think 80 to one for a team that I think is top 20 in the country with a guy who I think can emerge as that go-to guy. Let's go Buckeyes. So now it's time to vote. We just hold up uh, one finger. When I say one, two, three, one finger for BJ's, two for Mike's. So one for UConn, two for Oregon, three for Ohio State on, and you can't vote for yourself on the count of three. One, two, three. Yeah, I was wondering if this was a, a Georgia Senate runoff situation. Are we going to be able to get it down to just two? I, I, I am the ultimate uh, seniority. If everyone goes one to one to one, I'm, I make the decision. Um in, in which case I'd probably do, I might just choose my own. So there's, it's not the fair system, but it looks like two of us have chosen Connecticut. Uh, I agree within, you know, you could, there's a 20, we'll call it 22 to one. I think you might be able to find a 24 to one out there. This is a team that I think will be in the mix. They have the size to give a lot of teams problems. And by the way, they've lost some, you know, they've lost some road games in the big East. You removed Georgetown, which man, I wish that team was good. They just college basketball is better when Georgetown is good. But Big East teams not named Georgetown, 90 and 16 at home this year. 85% home conference winning percentage. That's insane. The home court advantage, like I always think like the the Big 12 is the best. But the Big East, underrated home court advantage, especially this year. But yeah, this has got to be the bottom for UConn. Like we just talked about a month ago. Uh, this is a team that everyone was like a shoo-in for the final four. That was way ahead of itself. But this is a top 20 team that could be a matchup problem. And they're young. Like, I think that they're going to get better. They're getting a piece back in an opening day starter who's been out, who's just participating in live drills. So, yeah, I think good time to buy UConn. But I think 
Uh, well, I guess I can't speak for myself, but two good cases that you guys brought. Mike, you have any comments here? The only the only thing that really popped to mind was what you're saying about TCU. Now's not the right time to grab them if you're interested, because I do think that they're going to fall at fog on Saturday, which theoretically should mean that that could bump them up, you know, from wherever they are by about five points on, on the futures market. So it's probably best to wait that out unless you think for sure that they're going to go in and bust the upset, in which case you could kind of take the future now and then play them on the money line as well. But I'm not sure that's the tactic to deploy at this point. Yeah, you also could, you know, some of these things like there's an in, in investing, which I, I recommend doing like dollar cost averaging in the market. Like no one knows the time in the markets. So if you're going to invest like for retirement or long term, like you just no matter what the market's doing, you invest a little bit over time. If there's a team, you know, in the big 12 and you're like, ah, oh, there's a big upset coming and say you wanted to bet. I don't say you want to bet $100 in the future, but you could bet, you know, 30 today. And then you could bet 30 next week or 30 in two weeks. You don't have to bet the entire thing. You can wait and see and kind of diversify in that aspect but yeah it might not be the best time for tcu and and tcu regardless if they that that win against Kansas, like you go to kansas it's that's a quad one game like their their profile gets strengthened overall pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely but when it comes to a great shave you don't have to shell out tons of cash harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced underperforming products and decided to do something better They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Good stuff there. Let's move on to Friday. Talk a little Friday night lights. Why let football have all the fun? Let's bet Friday night lights. Not not the, they're never going to be the most, uh, it's not going to be a card with the most amount of volume on a Friday night until we get into conference play but we can try to find a winner or two bj do you have i know that mike has something for new mexico boise potential do you have anything for friday i do let's go to the uh the the act the mwac uh canisius taking on fairfield i think this is a pretty good matchup for fairfield at home ken palm has a minus four uh the biggest thing in this matchup is canisius takes a large number of three-point shots fairfield's a top 50 team in the country uh at defending three-pointers whether it be open uh, catch and shoot off the dribble, whatever it is. Fairfield is, is very, very good at defending threes. Fairfield also runs a lot of ton of ball screens and pick and rolls on, uh, on offense and Canisius is outside the top 250 at defending those. Uh, and Fairfield just do for a lot of positive shooting regression. Like if you look at their effective field goal percentage and three point field goal percentage, it's actually really, really bad. But, uh, you know, if you look at their shot quality numbers, they should be about three or 4% higher, uh, in every single type of, uh, shot. So I think this is good good spot for them going up against a team that uh, likes to shoot a lot of threes, uh, a team that's very, very good at defending threes at home uh, at a short number at minus four. Yeah. I'm going to say I, it's worth keeping an eye on the status of Caleb Fields who hasn't played the past two games, but I think he's probably trending towards playing. He's uh, probably arguably their best playmaker averages, but I think like 12 or 13 points per game, but I was really impressed. And it was something that I kind of noted for, later uh when they went to iona and fields didn't play that game and they were right there all the way until the end and they only shot five of 20 from three so yeah i was impressed by fairfield the other week mike what do you got here so one of the best mid-major games of the week really of the month is boise traveling to the pit to take on new mexico at this point the pit is back the pit has always been a fire but now the pit is like a fire pit Yes, I, absolutely. And Bracken Matrix has both of these teams in the, the field at this point, Boise as a 10 and New Mexico as a nine seed. The winner here, I think, positions themselves with the inside track in the Mountain West, you know, regular season race and potentially, you know, if everything cuts 
you know, properly for the winner, you can play your way up to like a six seed if you are able to do the two step of the conference regular season title and the conference tournament title as well. I could talk myself into either one of these teams, but I think what's going to happen is that New Mexico is going to speed up the tempo. So I'm interested in the over on this one. Boise has three scorers who pump in over 13 per game and Rice Shaver Jr. and Dagan Hart. So I, I really like what they bring to the table. And even though Jalen House is one of my favorite mid-major players in the whole country, he's not a one-man show. He's got Mashburn Jr. He's got Udesi. So I, I think this is going to be an offensive showcase. And the fact that Boise prefers to play slower but has the weaponry to be able to keep up i think the fact that the home court advantage is going to pump up the lobos trying to put on a show for their home fans i think we're going to see a little bit of an up-tempo match so i'm going to see this probably in the 150s as opposed to where boise would prefer to play it which is probably the low 140s yeah don't forget about alec to the umkc kangaroo transfer for new mexico he does so many of the little things for them uh and just kind of puts everything together but a house is amazing to watch i've never seen a guy with as much intensity on every single play as him and yeah i'm glad that he has help now and both these teams should be shoe-ins for the ncaa tournament i won't comment too much more on this game because we're gonna talk with bj later about the mountain west and we'll obviously talk about this game and that boise offense which has been on fire and you're right new mexico they want to get out and they want to run and um yeah boise has they just have shooters all over and so many guys that can make shots so we'll talk a little bit more about that game later on i'm gonna i'm gonna go with richmond at home where they've been awesome all year night and day home and road team this year at home against vcu probably catching a point be right around a pick um as long as it's a pick minus one or plus one i think it's fine they've actually been good against the press this year which is important against vcu vcu is also not the same strong dominant team in the interior uh, especially on the glass that they've had in recent years where they can just bully Richmond and VCU is shooting like 47% from three in conference play that and and Richmond's about at 29% Richmond's a better shooting team so I think there's some shooting regression too coming for Richmond and they've handled the press well that's usually the key here and I think once they get into their offense they have some positive shooting regression at home um I think that they're going to do enough here to get the win so give me Richmond in an 8-10 battle Mike you have anything here to add I just love that you pick the Capital City Classic it's always nice to pick those intra-city matchups I think uh from you know mid-major perspective you love to see when the fan bases are really lit up for for games that beyond just the conference tournament. So this is certainly one of them. Um, and I think you're on the right side on this one. Richmond does bring so much to the table and Burden is just an absolute monster. So I see him probably having a huge game here. Yeah, the Richmond, there's the, the Richmond doesn't force a lot of turnovers, which is good for VCU because they cough it up a lot. But Richmond is dominant on the defensive glass. So I think VCU is not going to keep shooting at this clip and it's going to be one and done, one and done. And then, you know, you can't set up your press. And when they do have a chance to set up their press, Richmond has showed that you know they don't turn turn the ball over a lot, and they've been good against the press per synergy this year, which I think ultimately will be the difference in what has been a a really disappointing A10 this year. We'll talk about that uh, on one of the episodes coming up when we feature a conference. But I mean, who do you? What is bracket majors having the A10 having turn just one? Is it a one bid league right now? I believe so. Let me check on that for you. Probably only Dayton at this point right now. But, I mean, is even Dayton safe? I mean, they're yeah, probably Day- just assumed. Yeah, they basically have Dayton as the automatic uh, bid, but they have them on the 12 line right now. So, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty rough for them. Davidson is only, you know, in a few brackets at this point, and that's probably being generous. So, yeah, it's uh, it's not a good situation. For I just had to, I just Davidson's had to... two and five in the conference. So yeah, yeah. exactly. So I think that, that may be uh, kind of – a, so a many disappointing. Loyola, Loyola is a corpse. They're zero and six. They look awful. <laughs> that Kennedy didn't play the other night. Uh, Dade's an interesting team because, I, I mean, early in the year they, you know, they were they had some questionable results, but they were they were competitive, and then they lose their guards and they kind of re-identified. They kind of like reconfigured their roster. They just were playing with a bunch of forwards. Now their bigs are so good that if they can get into their offense and get into the half court, they're going to score and they're going to rebound. But now they're getting their guards back who weren't good early in the air. So they're an interesting team to watch. But uh, BJ, do you want to add something? No, I, I was just going to say, uh, you mentioned Dayton on the 12 line. I just had an A-10 12 line flashback to Iowa losing to Richmond last year was the only thing 
uh, oh, I was yeah. going to add to that. So, but, but yeah, I mean the Dayton, uh, you know, Dayton lost to BCU uh, on the road and when they were controlling the game had a big, big time lead and then just collapsed at the end. Well, that was because they had no guards. I mean, right. that's what it showed. So yeah, the, the VCU press finally got them. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about the eight ten. maybe have our friend Petey Buckets on at some point, but let's shift gears to Saturday. We'll go around the horn here and just fire one off at a time and we'll go until we're done. So BJ, let me kick it to you. What's the first game that you want to bring up? Yeah, I'm going to bet a team that I've bet the last two games and uh, they just keep losing Georgia tech uh, against at home against Syracuse Uh, against NC state this week. They shot, Two of 18 from behind the arc. Uh, and then against Pittsburgh last weekend, they went 12 of 29 from behind the arc. So they are, they showed they are a good three point shooting team. But in that game, they went 12 for 37 from two point range. And they're just, it's a team that's due for a ton of shooting aggression. You know, if you look at their shot quality numbers, they should be about 5% higher on their field goal percentage at the rim and on post upsets. They're also fourth in the ACC in both spacing and open three-point rate while Syracuse is around middle of the road at defending three-pointers. And the biggest advantage Georgia Tech's going to have in this one is they do a ton of post-upsets. actually the fifth-highest post-up frequency team in the country, while Syracuse, they're not very good at defending those post-upsets because you know mainly they're playing out of the 2-3 zone. And Syracuse, like always, they're just a really, really bad defensive rebounding team. Georgia Tech's a little bit above average there. Uh, and this is desperation spot here for Georgia Tech. They're on a four-game losing streak. It's their third straight home game. Syracuse... Is, uh, they take a ton of mid-range jumpers. They don't really get to the rim or shoot a lot of three-pointers. Georgia Tech, uh, very, very good at defending mid-range jumpers. So I think this is a good spot here for an all-in spot for Georgia Tech, who absolutely needs this one in their third straight home game. So uh, give me the Yellow Jackets, uh, plus one, pick them, whatever uh, it is around there come Saturday. Mike? I think this is the right time to buy on Arizona. Um, they score 88 points per game at McHale. I think they're going to get Bona in foul trouble. And uh, for as much as I love UCLA – if he gets in foul trouble and he's a very aggressive defender, he's somebody who's, you know, looking to get three and four blocks a game. If he goes to the bench early, I think there's going to yeah, be a post. He goes way down. Yeah. So at this point, I'm going to swing for the fences on this one. I'm going to take them on the alternate line. I'll bump it all the way up to Arizona minus nine and a half. I think they get right. They get a big win to swing the energy back in their favor for this season. I'm going to go. Yeah, don't hate that. I think this is a time to probably buy Arizona after their recent struggles. And, I mean, they can't hit an outside shot, but if you look at some of the uh, metrics, they've just been running really bad. They're not a great shooting team, but some of those shots should start to fall, especially with the attention that their interior gardeners. Uh, Let's see. I'm going to go – let's go with TCU. They're projected to get nine. I don't think that they're going to win this game. Candace off of a loss. Um, I love TCU as a dog. And TCU is a dog. This 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 core over the past two years, fifteen and five against the spread. They just have too many dudes to be catching points. And like they here's in this particular matchup, and they've played Kansas really tough. You can get to the rim and score at the rim against Kansas, which is what TCU wants to do. Also, both of these teams are they want to run. They want to get out in transition, and they are elite in transition. Both defenses are really good in transition, but I think both offenses are just so good that they're going to score. And this game's going to turn into up and down, which is good for TCU. Um, and then TCU's can get on the offensive glass here. That's it, a, a weakness for Kansas. The physicality of TCU, I think, could present some problems to Kansas. And I think that TCU, look, they had that big win kind of over Kansas State, dominated them. And then they went to Morgantown against a team that was winless in conference before this Kansas State tough spot there. So I think you might maybe get a little bit more value in TCU, but I think that they'll bounce back, be focused here. They've uh, demonstrated that they can, uh, in this dog role, especially on the road, veteran team, they won't be afraid of the stage. Kansas pulls this out, but I don't think uh, they're winning this game by double digits by any stretch. BJ? Yeah, I'm going to go a little mid-major here. I'm going to go to Conference USA. UTEP, they're projected to be eight-point underdogs at home against Florida Atlantic. Everything's going great for Florida Atlantic right now. They've cracked the top 25 for the first time in school history. They're 15-1. and uh, but this is a good time fade spot for them. We're recording this before they play on Thursday, but they're playing UTSA as one of the worst teams, not only in conference USA, but also in the country. So they should be able to cruise by them. Listen, UTEP, 
they can't shoot the ball from distance to save their lives, but they are a team that is built to get the ball to the rim. They have, you know, one of the lowest three point percentages in the country, but also one of the lowest three point rates. They also get to the free throw line at a top 20 rate, but they are shooting 58.6% from the free throw line. That's the second worst free throw percentage in the country behind only Brown. UTEP also is a top 30 team in terms of spacing top 10 team uh, in terms of their frequency utilizing back cuts, which Florida Atlantic is has been struggling to defend. And Florida Atlantic, the reason they've been so good is they're a really, really good three-point shooting team. They're top 50 in three-point rates, and they're you know, shooting a little over 35% from behind the arc. UTEP is allowing 30% from behind the arc. They're top 40, uh, which is top 40 in the country, and UTEP defensively also top 30 in turnover percentage along the third lowest open three-point rate in Conference USA. And UTEP has been fantastic as a dog this season. They just won outright at Charlotte. They're 7-1 against the spread as an underdog. So I like Minor Nation picks up plus eight at home to knock off, potentially knock off Florida Atlantic. Yeah, some of these three should start falling. I mean, they don't have great shooters. Like I'm looking at Hardy and McKinney. Like if you look at their track record, like McKinney, for example, was like a 30% last year. He's at 13%. Party, you know, 35, 36, now 33. You know, Givens is 26% this year. You know, he's like a 34%. So they're not going to be, they're not a good three point shooting team. And by the way, they're 52% from the line in conference play. But <laughs> I do think that some of their outside shots uh, are going to start falling because nobody is making them. Let's see, Frazier is tw- six of 29. He's 20%. Last year, he was 37% for George Mason. So, yeah, I think that there's some positive shooting regression coming if you look at the track record of some of their players. Uh, Mike, what do you got next? One of my favorite teams to go real far down the board in terms of mid-majors, the Fighting Amy Schumers, the Towson Tigers. I love this team. They are one of the best covering teams on the road in the last two years in college basketball. I think they're like 13th nationally, covering at about a 70% rate. They got back-to-back road games this week. They go to North Carolina A&T on Thursday. I'm going to take them there, minus six and a half. And then they play a dreadful Elon team on the road on Saturday. And yes, the Towson offense can leave a little bit to be desired, but they're four and one in their last five. And two of those games, they held their opponents under 50 points. One of them being Hofstra. In terms of like a box score that I went ahead and circled, you know, for the week, Winning 68-47 against Hofstra just doesn't make any sense if it if it's not for the fact that Towson's defense and pace, when they put it together, they can absolutely frustrate a team, get them so far out of rhythm, they don't give up good looks. So I could see Elon scoring sub-50 in this one as well. So I'll go ahead and lay up to you know, 12-13 in that game. I think the, the Tigers are a good value there. The one other game that I want to discuss that's totally injury-dependent is Santa Clara traveling to St. Mary's to play on Saturday. Pajemski is the key here. He, he had might a, play tonight, right? They don't know. He, he may play tonight against BYU. My preference is for him to play, shake off the rust, them not to cover against BYU to get a better number on Saturday against Santa Clara because he's obviously, the being a big transfer from Illinois and how well he's played in the first half of the season, he's the huge difference maker. They've made do without him in the starting lineup, but they need him to play at a superstar level to upset St. Mary's. I think they can, he can if he goes ahead and gets the you know the training wheels off in this game against BYU. So that's the, the game that I'm monitoring the most, and that would be my upset special for Saturday night. Yeah, he's... You know, they're, they're a different team with him out there. Towson, the Towson-Elon game, I mean, Elon is is bad, bad. And Towson, uh, they are, I mean, look, under Scary, they're always going to be a great offensive rebounding team. Yeah, they're top 20 offensive rebounding rate. So even if they're, when they're, when they're like playing a team that they're clearly superior then, if they have an off shooting, and, and look, they're not a three-point reliant shooting, but if even if their threes aren't falling, they're going to get every offensive rebound in this game. Elon is a horrendous, rebounding team Towson is going to get every board on both ends here and just suffocate them away so yeah I don't mind taking the Tigers as uh, a favorite there on the road against a team that has that is dead that is bad and has a horrible home court advantage I can't imagine uh, a great crowd for that one BJ yeah I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with uh, Seton Hall uh, pick them at home uh, against Marquette like you already mentioned stuck uh, home court advantage in the Big East has been uh, pretty favorable and drastic this season. And this is a good spot here for Seton Hall to pick off Marquette, who is coming off that win against Providence at home. 
the big thing here is that Marquette has been pretty bad defensively, and they're 92nd in adjusted defensive efficiency. They're 311th in points per possession allowed in half-court sets. Uh, they can't really defend in the mid-range very much, which is where Seton Hall takes a, a large percentage of their shots. And the Marquette offense has just been running really, really hot to this point in the season. So I think this is a good spot here for Seton Hall, who has been down a little bit this season, They're, but they've been getting good shots. They, they have a high rim and three-point rate. Uh, so it's a good spot to, to bet against the Marquette uh, defense regressing towards the mean. So I like Seton Hall at home. Yeah, and the problem with Seton Hall is, I mean, look, Sheen Holloway is always going to have a great defense. The guy that's out of coach, but this roster is built to do that. I mean, t- what Tyree Samuel did yesterday on the defense, that was awesome. Know about Indefo came from St. Peter's as the rim protector. Their offense is just, it was like, oh, what is this offense going to be? But I think lately they're starting to kind of figure out their their different roles and who they are and kind of establishing an identity. It's never going to be a great offense, but I think it's an offense that's trending up. And yeah, they're tough at home. They've won four in a row. Um, I have the circle too, but and Marquette beats me every time I try to fade them. But uh, I, I agree. Big East teams at home right now are on a roll. My favorite bet of the day for sure is I might buy low on Texas tech, but man, I mean, they ran into a hot Baylor team, Kansas state off that Kansas win. I mean, is this, this is it for Texas tech. They're winless in the big, I mean, you kind of, this is a must win. My favorite bet by, by far is, is Vatek. I mean, Virginia tech, they lost again. They're kind of sliding. This is the, but I watched that whole game. I liked what I saw. Um, from Virginia Tech against Virginia on the road. It was not an easy game. There were seven-point underdogs. Ended up losing by 10. But most importantly, they got Hunter Couture back for that game. He was, you know, he limped off for a little bit in the first half, but he's so important to that team. Stretches opposing defenses out and gives the offense some space for guys like Mutz to operate. And, you know, this Clemson team is played well, but I think that they've played a little bit above their heads. They're also dealing with some injuries. Um, and this is just I the spot of all spots for Virginia Tech, who's lost six in a row. Experienced team, great coach. They've been here before. This is basically the same exact spot that they were in last year when they caught fire and then carried that all the way through uh through the ACC tournament, which they won into March. So I think this is the right time to buy Vatech. Um they're, I think they're winning this game. You'll be probably catching a couple points. They'll take they'll take money and probably close like a pick or something. But I love Vatek on Saturday. Uh, any comments on those games? You have you guys have anything else to add? Yeah, I'll, I'll just put this out here quickly. Um, one home court advantage in mid major land that I really respect is the Dome of Doom out in Laramie. But this Wyoming team has fallen off a cliff. It's white flag time. No Graham E K. No Maldonado and Colorado State coming in on Saturday. Isaiah Stevens has really picked up every ounce of slack that he he can with what they lost year over year in terms of offensive production. They nearly upset San Diego State. They lose in overtime the other night. I like what I'm seeing from them. Depends on the number, but I could see them winning by 20-plus in this game. Just Wyoming does not have the personnel to keep up, and Colorado State still has an opportunity if they make a little run to you know find themselves in the third, fourth slot of the Mountain West packing order, if they can really start stacking up some wins, I think it starts in Laramie for a team. That's usually an incredibly difficult out. Maybe we'll get lucky and have a few points worth of value baked in because sports books are still respecting the altitude, but I don't really see that being a problem for the Rams here. I also, PJ, before I go to you, I also throw out Ohio state um, after their losses and Iowa's won four in a row, Ohio state at home here. I, I think it's going to end up being, um, a pretty good spot, but maybe you're going to tell me to bet Iowa here. No, 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 no. I, I actually don't like Iowa on the road there. No, I was going to piggyback off Mike and say that I think this is the, I agree with him as the perfect spot here for, for Arizona. You know, this is something we talked about last year, but how the way the Pac-12 schedule works a lot of times, these teams get back-to-back road games on a Thursday and Saturday, and that's what you're finding here with UCLA. They're on a 13-game win streak before this game against Arizona State on Thursday. The best team that they've played throughout that entire stretch has been Kentucky on a neutral floor. Uh, which we all know of their issues throughout the season. So I agree with you, Mike. This is a a perfect spot to actually buy back in on Arizona because uh, they're probably going to be an underdog here at home, which I, I think is ridiculous. I mean, I, right. I would I would take it, you know, just on the regular line up to Arizona minus three. But like I said, if it's a situation where it, if, if it's even a pick 'em, teasing the line up to Arizona minus nine and a half, you could get three to one on a bet like that. So I, I think there's plenty of value too in Arizona runaway. 
you know, UCLA is also a top 10 frequency team in running pick and rolls. That's why they've been so successful offensively in Arizona's top 15 in points per possession allowed off of pick and rolls. So it's a really, really good spot here for Arizona. Yeah. Everything that they want to do starts at that tiger pick and roll. Uh, all right. Good stuff, boys. Got some, you know, a future added talk, some futures talk, hopefully some winners for Friday night and a wide array of games and circled spots for Saturday. As a reminder, before we go any further, college basketball season is in full swing. So get in on the action with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and receive first bet insurance up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right, before we get out of here, let's bring in an uh, old friend of mine and the podcast, BJ Reigns. You can find him on Twitter at BJ Reigns. Uh, beat writer for Boise State, the beat writer for Boise State and BroncoNationNews.com. All right, so Boise State is let's talk. Let's talk a little Mountain West college yeah. basketball. Boise State is on quite a roll right now, and the Mountain West is well positioned to get um, three, maybe four teams into the dance. I mean, I think as of right now, Boise State, San Diego State, New Mexico would probably be safely in. Nevada is up and coming. And Utah State, Utah State can shoot. The, I mean, that's a team that can shoot, and they're they're kind of. I I would assume they're going to be just a team that's squarely on the bubble with a chance to get in all season long. And then you have a team, you know, you have teams that could be scary. In so let's well, before we get to the top of the conference, teams that could be scary later in the season, maybe to play spoiler or steal a bid in the Mountain West Conference tournament. UNLV. Um, you know, location, Colorado State, Isaiah Stevens. We've seen the firepower that he can have. And yep. then Wyoming. Wyoming is a corpse right now. They have we'll see if EK comes back. They've had so many injuries that they're they're have no chance at a at-large bid, and it'll probably get uglier before it gets prettier. But if they get healthy and then it's like an all-in effort with a great coach in the conference tournament, that's a team that you don't want to face that could make some noise in the conference tournament. Um, Ed, what are your thoughts on just the, before we get to those kind of five potential most likely tournament teams? Yeah. I mean, it's crazy too. And you look in the standings and you don't even mention air force or San Jose state and they're both sitting at 500 in the league. I mean, it's uh, it's really been a unbelievable mountain West season. Every game is crazy. You know, watching that Colorado state, San Diego state game the other night that went to overtime, Colorado state, you know, easily could have won that game and they're in ninth place in the league and San Diego state's tied for first. So, I mean, it is crazy. I agree with you on Wyoming. They just appear to have too much talent to be this bad. EK must just truly be that amazing of a player. And if they can get him back, uh, they would be a very scary team going down the stretch into the Mountain West tournament. If he were to come back, you mentioned UNLV. They got some pieces, obviously going and winning at the pit um, and having the tournament in their home building on their home floor. And uh, they're always scary. And I agree on Colorado State as well. I mean, they, they uh, are a team, like we said, that looks like they could play with anybody on any given night. So, yeah, the bottom is certainly um, better than it's ever been. And you look at all the computer numbers and all that. I mean, it's it's crazy to um look at where these teams are ranked. I mean, even UNLV, who's in 10th place, is ranked 81st at Ken Palm. I mean, it's uh it's pretty crazy where these teams are at. And this is my 10th season covering the Mountain West. And I would say it's by far from top to bottom the best it's ever been. Yeah, I, I completely agree. We didn't even mention Fresno State, who will go like 13 minutes without scoring, but playing them is like going to the dentist, and it's just their defense is really good. UNLV's defense is incredible. 
Uh, yeah, what's what, what I, I think one of the most underrated aspects of this conference is the coaches. Just from top, there are so many outstanding coaches in this conference. I'm not sure how long they're gonna stay around without getting, you know, maybe power five jobs. But man, I mean, he, like like I just mentioned, Tim Miles is done with San Jose State. They have yeah, they have won 12 games in uh, 10 games in like six years. They're already at 12 already. They were um, one in top- one in 17 last year, I think it was, or one in 15 in in uh, conference play. They won one conference game last year, and they're already three and three. It's pretty incredible. And you mentioned uh, uh, Patino at New Mexico and what he's done coming in. Nico Medved's a good coach at Colorado State. I like Jeff Linder at Wyoming. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know Kruger at UNLV. Leon Rice, uh, you know, Brian Dutcher, you got to Brian Steve Odom, Al- I think Steve, is a star. Steve, Alford, Steve Alford at Nevada. I mean, yeah, it is pretty crazy. The coaches in this league for sure. Yep. Uh, well, we haven't mentioned uh, Leon Rice and Boise State yet. They have won five straight. This is a team I'm curious to get your thoughts on just kind of their some of their overall strengths and weaknesses. But when I look at them, it's like there's just shot makers all over. Maybe they're a little vulnerable in the post, um, mm-hmm. which is if I had, you know, once they get out of conference, if they went up against like a dominant big in the first round of the tournament, that could be a problem. But it's just a, it seems like everyone is playing so connected on both ends of the floor. And I know that they're, 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 they're just making shots right now. I think they're shooting 43% from three in conference. But yeah, I mean, Shaver, it's not like Shaver shooting the lights out. Dagenhart hasn't been shooting the lights out. I mean, everyone else is making their threes. Um, Ogbo has been a revelation from that standpoint, but how would you just quickly profile this team from uh, overall strengths and weaknesses? And uh, I think they're a real threat to get to the second weekend. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, they, they won the mountain West regular season last year, won the mountain West tournament last year uh, and set a school record for wins and then lost three starters. And a lot of people kind of wrote them off this year. I mean, they were picked third in the preseason, I think just out of respect, but I don't think a lot of people thought they had much of a chance to repeat on paper. They didn't appear to be as good as last year's team. Um, but you know, you see Max Rice, he had 29 points the other night. He's uh, upped his production from from the outside a ton. You mentioned Abo, Texas Tech transfer. You didn't really know what you were getting. He got off to a slow start, but uh, he's a former four star guy, and now he's one of their best players. And um, guys like Najee Smith coming off the you know started the season coming off the bench. They, he's gotten a lot better as well. And so um, they don't have a lot of depth. Like their starting five yeah. is yeah. their their starting five is probably as good as any starting five in the league. But they have a pretty severe drop off. Like when they lost to Nevada by two points there back on. Uh, December 28th, Degenhardt and Najee Smith both fouled out with like four minutes left. And so um, they, you know, they didn't, they probably win that game if they have their starters in there. So that could be an issue moving forward. A lot of their starters are playing, you know, 35 minutes a game. They just don't have a very deep bench. They're trying to do that. But um, yeah, I mean, I think their starting five could go up with anybody. And uh, Shaver, I think, is a elite player that's not scoring as much right now, but I think he has 14 assists in his last two games. Um, interesting matchup, you know, against New Mexico because him and Jalen House went to the same high school, played together for Mike Bibby. Mike Bibby was their uh, high school coach, I believe. So yeah, um, yeah. They, they have a connection that'll be interesting on, on Friday. But no, I think um, Leon Rice just consistently gets more with less. I mean, they don't get they don't wow you when you get off the bus they're not necessarily the most skilled team in the league but they play together like you said ball movement um and then they have the number 10 ranked defense right now at ken palm so i mean they play very good defense and they uh limit you to one shot i think they're top 10 in defensive rebounding as well so they hold you to one shot and a lot of times it's a miss and and then you know lately they've been scoring a lot too i think they're at least 77 points in their last uh four games and um it's been pretty impressive the run they're on right now and um you know i think they were pretty disappointed with the matchup with memphis last year they thought they kind of got screwed a little bit having to play memphis in the first round of the tournament they thought they should have got a little better draw for what they had done 27 wins tournament championship so that's the last thing boise state basketball has never done they've never won an ncaa tournament game and so that i think is on the minds of some of these guys this year that uh to, to continue this legacy and kind of write their their history here last year was great but they not only want to get back they want to win a game in the tournament as well yeah i, I every year i talk about this I, you say don't get ahead of yourself with the second weekend let's let's win a game first and i agree memphis i, I remember betting them against gonzaga like that they were arguably a top 10 team just talent wise in the country yeah. um and that, that was an absolutely brutal draw. So uh, would you agree weakness? I mean, look, their, their defense, they could the, the tallest they go, unless Milner's in there is like six, seven. Yeah. But that allows them to switch. And then they're really good team, re, like just team rebounding. And they're very connected. But would you say that's kind of their their potential primary weakness if they were to go, to go up against like a really strong post offense? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, Nevada had Will Baker, and, and he obviously is not a traditional back down big, but I mean, they, they did okay against him. Um, but yeah, that that probably a team that has a lot of size on the interior, like when they play San Diego State, when they go against like a Nathan Mensa or what would have happened against EK, um, I think that certainly could be an issue for them. But I'll say this about Najee Smith. I mean, he had six, he's six seven, six eight. He had six blocks in a game the other day. Like he plays bigger than his size, and so um, and, and Degan Hart as well is is you know a guy that can get down there and bang a little bit. But Najee Smith, like. He's the most unique guy. If you watch him shoot the ball, the ball like spins sideways almost. The shot looks ugly and horrible, and he makes four threes against Wyoming. And he just has these up and unders and these crazy moves. And he just you look at him, and I mean, but I mean, he probably should be a four, but he's playing a, a great job for what they need. And when this winning streak started, or I guess the when they turned it around after the one and two start, they lost to Charlotte and scored eleven points in the first half in the Myrtle Beach opener. That was the switch they made. They took Milner out of the starting lineup, put Najee Smith in, and the energy he brought rings um the dunks some of the defense he's just a, a very interesting guy and so i think that uh yeah like i said they don't wow you know they don't wow you when you get off the bus but what they do have is a lot of guys degenhart abo smith that are all six seven six eight rice is six five so a lot of those guys are interchangeable they can do a lot of switching on defense and yeah. things and um yeah against a true dominant big man that could be a problem for them but to this point that they've been able to find ways to win uh despite that being a problem yeah, and on the flip side, I mean, everyone on the floor, for the most part, I mean, they're starting to shoot. I mean, right, right now, they, I mean, Shaver's only shooting 27%. This is a guy that was, what, uh, 35% last year, 36%, down 39%. Too. Yeah. And Dagenhardt's down, too, but Dagenhardt can shoot. So when you are playing a, a traditional big, there's that mismatch on the other side, too, when you have five guys who can all shoot. Um, and yeah, that's, that's why I said Najee Smith, their quote-unquote center, was four for eight from three-point range against Wyoming. Yeah, and what's Ab Abo's shooting? He's thirty nine of eighty six from three on the season, forty five percent. But yeah, even that's better, in con I think conference plays over fifty percent as well. He's been uh, unbelievable. So yeah, he he's the Texas Tech transfer. I think he's been a great replacement for Key Jab. And uh, yeah, he's been huge. But you're right; all five starters can shoot. And Max Rice, like I said, was six of seven from three the other day himself. So um, they're not late, they're not afraid to let it fly too. They, they had like thirty plus attempts against Wyoming from three. So um, yeah, they, you're right; they can definitely shoot. That's for sure. Well, here's an interesting question before we get to just a couple of the other teams. If if Boise State this year play, you know, there's going to be some guys you have to clone to do this. Yeah. If Boise State's team played Boise State's team, you know, this year versus last year, is it Hey, there was more talent on last year's team, but this team plays better together and would end up winning that game. How do you see that playing out? Uh, if I, if right now at this point in the season, I would make probably last year's team like minus four. I would okay. probably say that they're slightly, they were slightly better. I mean, Emmanuel, but you would bet this year's team catching the points probably. Uh, yeah, you might have to. They've been pretty good. Yeah, you pro you probably would. That's interesting. I mean, they do miss the the, the, the two things last year's team had was. Malad Narmouche, they had a, a tip, you know, a prototypical center, six yeah. eleven, big guy in the middle. He was a great defender, rebounder. And, you know, usually gave you like ten and eight a game, and they they definitely missed that. And he had the COVID year back. If he would have come back this year, which he could have, that's like literally the missing piece where this team might be undefeated right now or something. I mean, he's that's the one deficiency as you talked about, and he could have come back. And then Emmanuel Acott, you know, six eight point guard last year, and that allowed Shaver to play off the ball more at the two. That's one that they kind of wish that they could probably have back as well. Because like I said, I think Kijab and Abo are pretty uh, pretty much uh, you know a, a straight wash. And so um, I, yeah, I think it'd be very similar. But this year's team has something about them, man. Like to go in the span of three days to you know UNLV and Wyoming and win both those games by almost twenty points each on the road to do what they did to Utah State. I, yeah, I think this team, like I said, they don't they don't wow you, but uh, they play together and they play really really hard and they're they're putting together an impressive resume here. I mean, even go back to non conference beating Colorado, Texas A and M, St Louis, uh, Washington State. I mean, they did some work in the preseason, maybe not against like the elite of the elite teams, but they got a lot of quality wins and it's prepared them for this. And so I would make last year's team the favorite, but you're probably right that at this point it might be it'd be tough to bet against this year's team. Yeah, I, they, they boys just they did have this have a feel to me this year of a team that gets in and then make some noise with all just it's it's team you don't want to play when you when there's five shooters all over the court like that that are that are just playing so well connected so I have a feeling Boise fans that you're going to get that first tournament win this year but speaking of the the rest of the top of the conference San Diego yeah. State like very talented my problem with them they have uh you know, at times they can have some turnover issues, a little too maybe reliant on Matt Bradley at times. Like he's going to get up a lot of shots and he, when he's on, 
you're not stopping him. But when he's off mm-hmm. and the, he's chucking, it's like their offense can't afford that. So, and then you have New Mexico, which uh, we mentioned Jalen House plays about as hard as anyone, but there's also Mashburn there, the kid yeah. Alec that they outed from UMKC, super talented team that wants to run uh, and, and play super fast, get up in transition. Either one of those teams you fancy more than the other. Any thoughts there? Well, I'm looking. I have yet to see either of them play live, and I'll see them both here in the next couple of weeks. I'll be at the pit tomorrow night uh, when when Boise State That's plays New Mexico. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing New Mexico in person, and then obviously I'll be in San Diego in a couple of weeks when they play San Diego State. But um, to me, I mean, I, San Diego State just looks like the clear. The, the, they look like the best team in the league to me. I mean, I watched that game against Colorado State. And I know they struggled, but you just look at the the, the guys they have, whether it be a, a Lamont Butler and his improvement, and and then you have you know guys like uh, Parrish and Trammell and some of the guys that there, and and then they have you know Mensa in the middle, and and I even yeah. like you know Seiko and a rope and some of those guys that come off the bench as role players. I mean, almost any team in the league would take an Adam Seiko or a, a rope to provide some minutes off the bench. So I mean, they have a very deep veteran team, and I still think that uh, you know you look at the teams they've lost to, they're all you know damn good teams st mary's and arizona and arkansas and and then the new mexico one surprised me a little bit uh, the other day but i still think san diego state to me is the 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 best team in the mountain west and i think boise and new mexico are are right there with them and i'm I'm intrigued to see new mexico but like you said last year they didn't have any inside they had no post game nobody on the inside last year and that's what killed them They've added some in, some some uh, size on the interior, and I think that they're certainly a team um, that has a chance to to do some things. And like I said, when you have those two guards, and they're averaging what close to forty points, I think together. You know, I mean, it's pretty crazy with what Mashburn and House are doing, and and uh, to add in uh, Udezi, and then you know they still have Forsling. I know a seven footer doesn't do a whole lot, but uh, I think that uh, they're very talented, and they're not going to lose a lot of home games with that crowd advantage. So. Um, very impressed with what uh, Richard Patino's done, man. 17 and two is super impressive. And I think both those teams are for me, probably the next two teams right there. I still, um, you know, Utah state, Nevada, I think are probably in that next tier right below. I think, uh, but I think those two New Mexico and San Diego state are both going to be tournament teams for me. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And Utah, I mean, the Utah state runs great stuff on all. I mean, man, like we said, there's so many good coaches. Yeah, I, just, I saw him in person. And a great I, game planner. Look out. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I don't want paper tiger is not the right word, but I just don't know if Utah State's quite, you know, if they're not hitting their threes, they're in trouble. And so, I mean, yeah, I they just don't have the dudes, like the guys that can yep. get, but if, yeah, they're, they're so three point reliant, but if they are making their threes, they're as I tough mean, as anyone. The but like, they're who just, was, uh, they had Justin Bean last year. And then before yeah. that, you know, the Sam Merrills of the world, and they had Nimi Ishkada at times. I mean, they have a lot of good players, but when I saw them in person and maybe it was just a rough day for them and Boise state caught them on a, on a good day. But I mean, I just, um, I, I didn't, I didn't see them being this like top 30 nationally team at the computer rankings said they're, they're a good team. I'm just not sure if they're a great team. Yeah. I mean, the, the problem with Utah state against, I mean, they lost by, by God, 30 or something to, to boys, but Utah state has, you know, a lot of times out there, they'll have like Aiken who can rebound and then they'll have four shooters they run such good stuff to create mismatches yeah. to get open threes. But that's the beauty of the Boise defense is Boise can switch everything, which is just a nightmare for them because then they have the athletic advantage at every position and there's no real mismatches that they can create with their action. So, yeah, Boise is about like the worst possible matchup for Utah State. Keep that in mind uh, going forward. But, um, yeah, just wanted to get some Mountain West insight. Will Boise run with New Mexico tomorrow, do you think? Like New Mexico's going to be at home in the pit. They, they would like to play a little, like not as nowhere close to as fast as Mexico, but do you think on the road now New Mexico is going to try to run and they have athletes? What do you, how do you think the pace is going to play out? Yeah, I think they'll probably, yeah, I think it, I could see that happening. I mean, I, I don't know what the line is. I know Ken Palm has it at one for uh, New Mexico. I would probably take New Mexico in this game. I, I think uh, Boise State's due at some point for, for a loss and in this tough atmosphere on the road, I, I would probably take New Mexico in this game. But in terms of the style, I mean, yeah, they're very similar in terms of great guard play. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, and Boise state's done a pretty good job of limiting opposing teams, kind of star guards, uh, going back to Yuri Collins with St. Louis and some of these teams. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think that, um, they've done a pretty good job. I, I do see this probably being a, a little more of a up and down game and, and uh, I think that's okay with Boise. I, I think they're fine with that, but again, Boise state won a game last year, 42 to 37. So, I mean, if they have to, uh, if they have to play the lower scoring type of game, they can do that as well. But I, I you know, I think both teams are probably, probably in the seventies. Yeah, San Diego State, Boise, 4237. 4237, yes. And I ran yeah, a I special remember. for my company that night where I, I, I it was like 42% off or something to, to commemorate the 42 points. And I had like 20 people sign up for subscriptions. So I'm all for the 42 point wins. Um, yeah, that ended like San Diego State's home winning streak. And four, yeah, I, I thought that was like the, when I saw 
Man, why wasn't I watching that game? But I remember seeing it, and I thought it was like at the half. <laughs> yeah. um, well, Boise State also lost the game last year, forty-six to thirty-nine to use to uh, Bakersfield. So uh, they had the, uh, the 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 high quality, the low scoring win, the low scoring loss, and as I said earlier this season, they scored eleven points in in the first half against Charlotte. Ended up uh, losing that game. I think it was like uh, fifty-four to forty-two. They scored forty-two points and lost to Charlotte earlier this season, and that's when they made the, the starting lineup change. So they're always due for a for a clunker at times. But right now, like I said, they're they're 77 plus the last four games and they're, they're clicking right now. Man, I forgot about this game and they only scored 39 against Bakersfield. Bakersfield has good <laughs> defense, but man, this is a funny game. All right. Good stuff, BJ. Thanks as always for joining us. Uh, maybe we'll have you back before the Mount West tournament, which is going to be awesome. Like it's been yeah. awesome the last couple of years, but this year it's going to be oh, sick. I can't especially, wait, man. Yeah. Especially Wyoming gets guys back and then th- there's no like free gimmies now like usually in the oh. west like the, you know, there's a couple gimmies early in the tournament when you're playing the lowest seeds but now it's, there's there's depth now oh yeah man like i said when you have uh what, what like san jose state's doing man they're going to be a dangerous team man they got some inside stuff now they got amari moore who's cooking no. for them i mean san jose state used to be that 11-6 matchup and you'd pray for them to win the 11 game you know if you're the three seed to play in them or whatever but no yeah. it's it's uh i don't see one team on there where any coach would go into the Mountain West tournament thinking they have a comfortable win. I really yeah. don't. And that's just crazy to say. So uh, it's been a fun year and there's going to be a lot of, a lot of big games left and um, yeah, looking forward to seeing how it all shakes out, but yeah, be uh, more than happy to come back on with you guys. All right. Good stuff. You can check him out at BJ Reigns on Twitter. Thanks for joining us brother <laughs> and uh, enjoy your weekend, man. Always a pleasure, man. Take care. All right. Uh, so that'll do it for us. Thanks as always to BJ and Mike to our audio and video teams on the back end. Thanks again to BJ Reigns for joining me. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, leave a review. They really help us out. We'll do some giveaways soon here. Just leave a five-star review, say whatever. You can trash us, but they really do help us out. Tell a friend, tell an enemy. Uh, make sure you download the award-winning Action Network app. Thanks to our sponsor, BetMGM. Good luck to whatever you bet. And we will see you on Monday afternoon, unlike this week with the holiday we'll be back you know episode of probably post late monday afternoon going through what we learned on the weekend and monday's slate so we'll catch y'all then cheers action network reminds you please gamble responsibly If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.